This is Lewis Riddick of ESPN. You are listening to the SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation. Welcome to your Steeler Nation podcast, part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network and sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, and Stefan Tuit finally got around to it and has officially retired from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, the loss of his brother was a little too great, and it helped kind of, I know when you have a big loss like that, it kind of puts your life in perspective. He went back to school, went back to Notre Dame, finished his degree, and he's decided to leave football with his health. Now, I really can't fault him for making an intelligent decision based on what's good for he and his family. I mean, he left the game of football $55.7 million richer over his seven seasons. Um, but he also chose to save the Steelers $9 million this season by being a post-June 1st designation release. So that helps us out a little bit, although $4.5 million will be put on to the cap next season as dead money. But that's probably the way the Steelers would have done it had he been released before June 1st. Anybody released before June 1st can still be designated as a post June 1st release. And that just means that you spread out that cap hit over two years being a post June 1st release, as opposed to taking it all in year one, the year that you are released being a pre June 1st release. So more power to him, obviously on a personal level, on a football player level, on a fan level, it hurts. It hurts. I mean, He had his best season ever in 2020, put up 11 sacks, finally played in 15 games, only missing one game because of COVID, Um, being the Batman to Cam Hayward's Robin, playing so well that, you know, other pontificating uh, sports analysis people uh, that may look like certain X-Men, people from the first movie that was the senator that got changed, uh, Clayton. Um, stating that he's better than Cam Hayward. He was never, there was no universe in which Tuit was better than Cam Hayward. However, he was phenomenal in 2020. And I will agree with that. But that's the only loss I have is his, his non-ability to be able to play with this Pittsburgh Steelers defense moving forward, which is a, just an absolutely talented defense across the board. But I completely understand his family decision May you get on with your life's work as the great emperor Chaz Knoll used to tell his players. And this was a great Steeler player and one that we cannot forget about. Uh, he retires with 34 and a half sacks on his career, 94 quarterback hits, 246 tackles, 48 of them being tackles for loss. Six forced fumbles, 13 passes defensed, and one great interception. Um, obviously, I just said his only complete season, or his close, he never played a complete season. His closest was that 15 game season he played in 2020, where he missed one game because of COVID. Kind of like a COVID getting a bye week, which I always said when you get a COVID week off, if you're not getting symptoms or you're getting it light, it's essentially a bye week to help you recover and recuperate. Phenomenal season that season. Um, I don't know how about how you feel about it, Steel Nation. Make sure to tweet me. Make sure to Instagram me. Let me know what are your thoughts on to it 
leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers because I want to know. Uh, obviously, yesterday was the last day of OTAs. Next big thing on the calendar is going to be Tuesday. That is mandatory minicamp. I don't foresee any issues for anyone not showing up to mandatory minicamp. The only question mark going into OTAs was Deontay Johnson. Everybody the first week saying, oh, he's holding out. He might not be back. He's he's upset with his contract. Only to show up the second week of OTAs. Come on, guys. Don't fabricate a story that is not there. This guy's a Pittsburgh Steeler. He's coming off a Pro Bowl year. He's in a contract year. Guy wants to play well, even if he doesn't get a good contract, because he's going to get paid next year. That is, unless the Steelers lock him down this season, which I think full well that they will. But that's pretty much going to be the only drama. There's no drama going into this mandatory minicamp. We got a lot of new people. We got a lot of motion coming in with all these new quarterbacks. So everybody wants to be there, firing on all cylinders, the revamped defense, because everybody's got to work to help make this team a winning team. This is not going to be a Ben Roethlisberger team anymore. It is now the three-headed dragon of Rudolph. Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. We got to see what they do. Ludicun, what about him? No, he's not part of it yet. It's a Hydra, but he's the small head on the backside that like licks the butt. <laughs> he might make the team. Hopefully he does a little bit better than butt licking and becomes a good quarterback. Pushes some one of these other guys off the roster so we can see some, uh, some help there with the salary cap. But that's the only thing that I can see him measuring up for this season other than being a camp quarterback. So how do we replace to it? Obviously the first thing we've got to think about is the moves the Steelers have already made and what their roster currently looks like this season, because we already have six. Usually they keep six, seven defensive linemen. You got Alu Alu and Adams already locked in at nose tackle. Now you have Cam locked in as a starter, all world on right defensive end. Left defensive end, we had Wormley playing there last year. Now, Wormley had his best season to date last year, making that trade with the division rival Baltimore Ravens look like a steal last season when he racked up seven sacks, 10 quarterback hits, 51 tackles, six TFLs, one forced fumble, and three passes defensed. Kudos to you, Warmly, for stepping it up last season. He's going to be looking to build on those numbers this year. We moved up in the draft two years ago into the fifth round, gave up a fourth rounder to do so, to get Loudermilk. Loudermilk put up some decent stats as a rookie. As a fifth rounder, he still got some plays. 23 tackles, got a sack, three passes defensed, and two games started. Six foot seven, 249 pounds. I expect him to be a lot heavier than that 249. I like, we like most of our five to seven techs being closer to 300 pounds. 280 would still do it. Interested to seeing, especially with that six, seven frame, he's got the ability to pack on those pounds. Want to see what he looks like in mini, mini camp. Want to see what he looks like in training camp because this guy can be a difference maker and an X factor on the defensive line this season. The other one being the large athletic third rounder Liao that we picked up this season. Why? Because the kid's explosive. This kid can get into the backfield 
and get there quickly. He has spin moves. He's got good technique of being able to shed a one-on-one situation. I know he needs to improve in the running game, but my gosh, the way it's looking this season might be louder milk in the rushing game, helping out on rushing downs with worms and then bringing Leal in on the passing downs to help with Wormley on that as well. Because this is going to be interesting. I know Loudermilk has also worked this offseason tremendously on trying to improve his pass rushing moves as well. Learning from people like TJ Watt. Learning from people like Chris Wormley. Learning from people like Cam freaking Hayward. I'm expecting him to have a good season this year, especially since we drafted Loudermilk and moved up and gave up a pick in the future for him because the Steelers liked how he looked a bit like Cam Hayward in his college film. So this will be interesting to see how he's developing in year two. Obviously wasn't a first rounder, but our scouting department knows their poop. Third, second way to fi fix this uh, loss of to it, possibly free agency. Taking a look down to free agency. You've got guys like Jason Pierre-Paul still available. Ndamukong Sue still available. In free agency, Nasib, former Penn State guy, uh, Carlos Dunlap. I know he's getting long in the tooth, but he's been a long time Cincinnati Bengal, thorn in the side for the Steelers for a lot of years. Guy's a big bodied guy, knows how to defend the run, can get after the passer as well. Might be a smart pickup, would be on the cheap. Also, uh, Agunjobi was also Cleveland, long time, uh, four year Cleveland Brown, then went with Cincinnati. Put up seven, eight sacks last season. This guy's starting to turn the corner as well. Could do well in our system. We've got some options. So free agency, surprisingly, there's some decent options out there. Who would I want? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's Sue is too old. If, if it's Sue of, old, Sue of like six years ago, the guy was stronger than anybody else in the NFL. If he's gotten too big, like I'm thinking of him more like a nose tackle now. And I'd be happy to have him as a backup nose tackle. I'd take him over Adams. I'd take him. Heck, he might even be out, beat out Alu-Alu. I don't know if he'd really translate to being the defensive end in our system. But a guy like Nasib, a guy like Dunlap, a guy like Agajobi, we could get on the cheap. They could work into the system. And they could be better than Wormley. So keep an eye out for those possible app options as we approach the dog days of summer in late July, moving toward training camp. Also, the third way we can fix this, Steeler Nation, trade. Who would I want to trade for? The guy that I mentioned on a podcast last season, before the season started, before we knew there was even an issue with it. I said trade to it to Houston for J.J. Watt. Why? because I wanted all the Watt brothers on the same team, yes. But they also cost about the same amount of money. Even exchange. I know JJ got hurt last season as well. He did return for the playoffs. Guy's a fighter. Guy's a great player. I would consider trading for JJ Watt. It would cost about 12 mil, 11 to 12 mil, depending on how the contract lays out. I know the bonus, I think, was just paid. So... Not a bad idea, but we'd have to give up something for him, probably like a Wormley and a draft pick because they'd want something in return. And Wormley is progressing well. He has draft value. He would save them money. And we get all three Watt brothers on the same team. 
That would be my ideal trade. You tell me, Steeler Nation, am I crazy? Because worst case scenario, even if we don't trade for J.J. Watt, and we bring in a free agent this season, put him on a one-year contract. Why? Because J.J. Watt is a free agent next year. Come play with your brothers in lovely Pittsburgh. We'd love to have you. So now it is time where we take questions from Steeler Nation. Go on over to the Steeler Nation website at SteelerNation.com. Sign up for the football forum. It is free. Put up a thread each and every week so you can ask questions to me for this podcast. First question is coming from Cooley Man. What do you think Flores will bring to this defense? Obviously, Flores being a great coach in the NFL, doing great things in Miami. I think he's going to bring more accountability to the defense. I think he's going to bring more toughness and leadership to this defense. I wasn't sure who the leader was on defense before when Butler was in charge. Really wasn't. Was it still Tomlin? Tomlin was calling the defensive plays. You can't tell me, well, Austin is supposed to be calling the defensive plays this year. Sorry. Austin is the defensive coordinator this year. But Flores is going to bring accountability. He's going to bring passion. I expect players like Reggie Bush, or sorry, not Reggie, like Bush to improve this season at inside linebacker. I expect Minka Fitzpatrick to improve at free safety. I also expect one other aspect of our game to improve this year, and that is challenge flags. We finally have another head coach on the roster that's going to be able to help out Tomlin in determining whether or not to throw the challenge flag, whether or not it's a smart thing to do, or whether or not they see that it should be done. That's what we need on this team. And I think that will help us out tremendously. Next question. So DJ showed up to OTAs. Is he missing the earlier ones an issue with the teammates? Zero. Zero, Cooley. Um, and then I'll put this out for an example because the one was Chase Claypool being asked that direct question the first week of OTAs. And he just flat out said that he's not worried about DJ at all. He knows DJ is balling and getting ready. So he will be there. And he was back the next week. You miss one week, not an issue. Like AB Polamalu never went to OTAs. You never once heard a teammate be upset that AB or Polamalu didn't go to OTAs. So why would DJ missing a week be an issue? I don't think it. Plus, OTAs are not mandatory. Not like mini mandatory minicamp coming up next this Tuesday. Uh, who wins the battle and joins Minka at safety? Well, my hope is it's going to be KZ. I want to see KZ playing alongside Minka. I think he's more of a playmaker. Edmonds is already there. He's the man to beat. I think he's going to be starting in the training camp. But can KZ beat him out? Yes. Yes, he can. Because to me, Edmonds has been a guy. Edmonds really hasn't allowed Minka to shine. Minka had his best games, in my opinion, before he had to make up for Edmonds because he just came to the team. He was balling. He was getting interceptions. He was getting touchdowns. Fumbles returned for touchdowns. Interceptions returned for touchdowns. Now he's got to be accountable for Edmonds. And he seemed to come down a little bit off of that. He's still making plays. Still a great player, but I want him to be unleashed, and I don't think he will be unleashed unless it's KZ being next to him this year. Place your bets, Cooley Man says. Who is the Steelers' top wide receiver this season? Easy question, Cooley. I'm going with the former All-Pro returner, current Pro Bowl receiver, Deontay Johnson. 
I'll take the best receiver at separating his breaks in the entire league over anybody else coming off of a Pro Bowl season to be the best receiver on this team. He gets open quickly. He's going to get the majority of the looks, the majority of the targets. And I expect his drops to be less than seven this year because they were less than 14, 15, whatever they were the previous year. Drop it down. Get it down around three and four. This guy's going to be absolutely amazing. Looking forward to his season this year. He's going to be an elite player and hopefully playing with a new contract. Next question is from MTC. Do I put ranch on pizza? And why is this frowned upon in New York or Chicago? Yes. Emphatically, yes, MTC. MTC, this is the reason why I first put ranch dressing in my fridge. I'm a dry salad eater, though. If I would eat salad when I went out, I'd dip it into a side of ranch. I don't like pouring stuff on my salad. I'm a crazy guy like that. But we got to go back maybe 20 years, 25 years ago to the first time I ever had ranch dressing on pizza. It was from a pizzeria called Gumby's. Yeah, this is like 1994, 1995. We were going down to visit our friend who went to Virginia Tech at the time. So in Blacksburg, Virginia, there's a pizza chain called Gumby's. And opposed to Papa John's having their, their garlic butter in there, they Gumby's always had a little, little uh, dipping sauce of ranch in there. And I'm like, ranch? Why would you do that? Until I tried it for the first time. I was hooked. That was it. Like, and to this day, still put ranch on pizza. Every once in a while, I'll put it on chicken as well. I like to mix it with, with ranch and sriracha, and I'll do that with the uh, pizza as well. But emphatically, yes. I don't know why. Well, Chicago's deep dish, the, the, the flavor of the crust itself is good. New York crust is probably too thin to dip. But for normal-sized pizzas, what you're usually buying at the chains, ranch is ideal. Absolutely ideal. And... Addition here, and here's a fun fact from MTC. Did you know ranch dressing is an American invention? God bless this country. The world truly would be lost without this. I agree completely. Thank you for educating us. God bless America. And God bless you too, MTC. Thanks for those, those factoids. <laughs> Love it here. See you learn something here at Steeler Nation Podcast, guys. Drink Iron City, next man up. I'll probably agree with you, but want to be to be known, it's hard to say how Okana is such a wild factor. Our offense has no identity. Will it be a run or a pass offense this year? Now, I would say our identity the last two seasons was a Ben Roethlisberger offense with Ben Roethlisberger coming off an elbow surgery where he fell off the cliff after week 10 both seasons. Now, this season, we don't know the identity yet. Because Ben's not there. We're going to have a new quarterback. Um, what I think it's going to be run heavy, because I think it's going to be a Najee Harris offense. Um, I expect more pre-snap motion. I expect more player personnel coming on and off the field. Hopefully going like a quick package or a misdirection package uh, or going five, four wide, five wide on the field at certain times. Um and also, I fully expect the quarterback to be lining up over center. That helps out with play action, play action going deep down the field, the clay pull. It's going to open up the game. If Najee offense is working, it's going to open up the game. So that's what I expect to see. More pre-snap motion, more play action, quarterbacks lining up on center. It's going to be different. 
and quarterback sneaks. <laughs> We're actually going to see quarterback sneaks again because Ben's out of the league. I don't know why he never quarterback sneaks. He's a huge guy. But we got quarterbacks that can run the sneak now. That's what I'm looking forward to this season. Thanks, there. Uh, BK Wheat 23. Is Laddermilk going to take a big step this year and help stop the sieve that we have at run defense? Yes, I talked about him earlier. I think he's progressing. I thought he did a great job last year and got an incredibly high amount of, of snaps for being a fifth-round draft pick. He put up numbers. He got us a sack. He got 23 tackles. He was playing the run. He had two starts. I expect to see more out of him this year. I really do. And if he packs on some pounds, he's going to improve. So let's look for him to improve this year here, BK. Thanks for the question. Cooley, I'm going back to you because I love this question so much that I brought it down and you, you've been asking some great questions lately. So this one deserved a little setting on its own. Who are the top five Steelers tight ends ever? Now, as far as for the Steelers go, the Steelers are not rich at tight ends. Steelers don't have a whole lot of stats mongrels as tight ends. But they do have some good tight ends. Start off with number five. I'm going to go with the tight end that won four Super Bowls and did his job incredibly. Also love seeing him on those return to the 70s shows, talk about the Steelers. I talk, of course, with Randy Grossman. Good player. Not the greatest tight end that we have. Didn't put up a whole lot of stats, but won four Super Bowls. So Grossman, you're number five on my list. Number four, I'm going with my heart on this one. Watched his entire career. I think he's probably the best blocking tight end that I have ever seen on our team. Two men's up there too, but going with Mark Bruner. And I, I can't, I mean, you, you might want to argue with me saying that he might not be the best blocking tight end in Steeler history, but he's number four on my book. Number three, Going back to the 70s, a guy that had two touchdowns, a guy that put up most of the stats that are not the number one guy on the roster. I'm talking about Benny Cunningham. Guy was a great player, uh, 2,900 yards. Good, good player. Now, my number two was a specimen, was a guy that when he came into the league, nobody had ever seen a tight end that big and that athletic. Talking, of course, of Eric Green. He had a shorter career, nearly as many yards as Cunningham, uh, with 2,700 yards. But the guy put up numbers, put up touchdowns, second on the team in touchdowns. Um, good player, fun to watch. Huge body, could block. Wasn't always as willing, but could when he wanted to, he would knock people on their butts. Great all-around player and a monster of a man. Eric Green is my number two. Number one is everyone's number one. He's a guy that threw up every single great stat in Steeler Nation history. Probably the best two-way tight end ever to play. Suit on the black and gold. And that, of course, is Heath Miller. 6,600 yards. Nearly twice as many as the next person on this list being Benny Cunningham. In 11 years. Heath Miller, you got all the stats, man. Now, I'm going to give honorable mention to Carpenter. Carpenter was a guy, an older guy, played in the 50s and 60s. Now, this is a guy that threw up 4,000 yards over his whole career, played a lot of years in Cleveland before coming over to Pittsburgh, finished off with a couple more teams. But with his numbers, he'd be number two all-time 
receiving with the Steelers, if you included his entire career. And he'd be number three all-time in touchdowns, if you consider his entire career, behind Miller and Green. Don't forget about Carpenter. Those players could still play back in the 50s and 60s. So, last question here from Cooley Man. Do I think Friar Muth will earn his way to the top five on this list? Well, currently, Pat Friar Muth, after one season, Cooley, ranks 14th in receiving. After one season. Now, if he doubles what he did last year, he'd be in the top 10 for Steelers receiving all time. Don't have a lot of stat mongers. Like I said, number two is under 3,000 yards. You're talking about six seasons on his current stats to hit those numbers. So when you consider him and a guy like Jermaine Tuman. Jermaine Tuman played in the league for 10 years. We all know Tuman. If you watched him, he stood out. Big player, could help in the passing game. Incredible blocker. Pat Fryermuth currently has three less yards in one season than Tuman did in his entire career. They Pat Fryermuth currently has as many receiving touchdowns as Tuman did his entire career. And Fryermuth currently has 17 more receptions than Tuman had in his entire 10-year career. So a guy that we loved, no Tuman, liked Tuman, enjoyed watching him play in his passion and his physicality. Fryermuth has already passed him in his rookie year. Already a starter. I see him easily making it to the top 10 on his rookie contract. I expect him to start putting up 700, 800 yard seasons, close to 10 to 12 touchdowns a year, especially since he's packing on the pounds and he looks like more of a man frame on that body than when he was drafted. Can't wait to see him out there on the field this year uh, because I I love tight ends and I, it's going to be fun to watch him progress. And I'm a Penn State guy too, so go for it. Last question I've taken from Superman. Finally, Superman gets a question here on the show. Good to hear from you, Soup. Given that we have two vet wide receivers and a rookie wide receiver who said he could have been the top wide receiver in the draft, how will that help or hinder Najee's sophomore season? Should we expect a slump? Um, well, the commitment, obviously, to this season, Soup, was to Najee and the run offense. Obviously, we went out, picked up Daniels. We went out, Picked up Cole. So now we have a starting center. We have a starting right guard to improve the interior offensive line to already help out our pro bowl running back. Now, we also understood that we have a new quarterback coming into the system. So to me, the wide receivers really aren't as much of a factor in this, except for like Deontay Johnson being your short area quickness guy to get open. He's going to get a lot of targets. As long as he's catching those possession downs, we're going to move the football. Pat Fryermuth almost has to increase his ability in this offense as well because new quarterbacks are going to look right down the seam, right down the middle of the field to their closest receiver, usually their slot guy or Fryermuth. Fryermuth's going to get a lot of targets this season. And so then that leaves the other slot. Is it going to be Gunner? Is it going to be Austin? Is it going to be uh, Pickens? We don't know yet. We'll find out in training camp who's going to win those positions. But I'm hoping it's going to be somebody that shows some short area quickness and can get some separation and then make plays with the ball in their hands. Austin might have the highest ceiling of the three in that role. P 
Pickens might have a higher ceiling playing the Z receiver, the outside, the edge, or the outside edge on a four wide receiver set. That's where I see Pickens falling into place. But all of that should help Najee return to form. If Claypool's returning to form too, getting those passes downfield, that's going to help soften up the interior by having to draw those safeties back. That will help Najee as well with better helping on better blocking on the offensive line. So everything is in place right now with the moves that we've made in free agency in the draft to improve the running game. And I fully expect Najee, who already showed there's no such thing as a rookie wall to this specimen. There was no rookie wall to this specimen. So I and we had an extra game to play last season. I expect him to be a specimen this year as well. And I just love watching him play. So that's all the time we have, Steeler Nation, for the Steeler Nation podcast. Check out our sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises, over at tseshop.com and follow them on Twitter, Total Sports ENT, to win a signed Steeler jersey. We're giving them out just about every week. Vidcast will be on Tuesday, live at 7 p.m. Go to YouTube slash Steeler Nation. It's going to be after mandatory minicamp. We're going to have a lot to talk about. You bring your questions. You bring your comments. We'll talk live next Tuesday, 7 p.m. over on YouTube for Steeler Nation channel. Check out the great Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania sports content over at DKPittsburghSports.com and follow the awesome podcasts at DKPS Podcasts over on Twitter. Read our great Pittsburgh Steeler-focused articles at SteelerNation.com. Tweet us at SteelerNation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow us on pod, uh, on Twitter at underscore SN Podcast or Instagram, SteelerNationPodcast, or me, SN Striker, on Twitter, on Instagrams. Thanks for joining us for the Steeler Nation Podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises, part of the great DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, G Striker, with To It, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! And bless you, To It. On your life's work. <laughs>